The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. All right, excited to be back with our next podcast, and I've got a first-time podcaster, Adam Willits. Ooh, first here. time! Your first, first time, time for everything. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think we should make any more comments on that one. Yeah, no pressure, so Adam. You've been with this organization for how long? Uh, going on eleven years. Okay, so you started off running like which facilities and what? Cloverdale Healthcare. Cloverdale, Cloverdale Healthcare. Yeah, love Cloverdale. You I, know, I painted Cloverdale. You right? did. I know the you're inside. up in NorCal, right? Summerfield. Summerfield. Okay. But uh, but but for our boot camp, we painted the inside of Cloverdale and we put up like border and it looks so bad that they mm. professionally painted over it like just a few months later. Yeah. Well, thanks for trying. But the heart, the thought <laughs> was there and I, I really appreciate it. And now you're a resource in California, right? Resource in California. Yeah. I ran three operations up in Northern California, including Summerfield, which I, yeah. I think you ran. Yeah. So I cleaned up your mess a little yeah, bit. Thank you. Actually, actually, Matt Rudder did, and I just, I just, uh, <laughs> I just uh, kept going with Matt. What, what he built there, and then Parkview, and then yeah, res- resource role. <laughs> so I, I have Adam here because I recently came across a training that that Adam had put together, and I, I feel like it ties a lot of the things, a lot of the different podcasts that we've had together. Uh, you know, we've talked about five dysfunctions of a team and and four habits of an extraordinary leader and 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 so many different lists, right? And I believe you got a lot of your stuff from Jack Welch. Yeah, right? some of it. Yeah. Some of it. Some it's, of it. It's kind of the accumulation of a lot of those books you mentioned. Okay. Plus Jack Welch. Yeah. Okay, good. So um, I, I want to start with this quote because I liked it and I saw it on your training and it says, "Greatness is not a function of circumstance. Greatness, it turns out, is largely a matter a matter of conscious choice." and discipline. And I, I I like that quote because I think sometimes people think that they're just naturally great leaders. So it's just, I just show up. So I'm a great leader. And I, I sort of thought that's what I was going to be, that I just needed to show up and my charisma and my natural leadership <laughs> ability. But, but I love this idea that it's, it's a conscious choice, um, that, that there's things you need to be intentional about. Right. That's sort of what I'm getting from. from yeah, ab- absolutely. And when I, when I think of leadership, it's like anything else. The more you, the more you do it, the better you can become at it. Right. You have to practice it. You got to practice it. But yeah. with leadership, it feels like it's ma- more making mistakes. Yes. Right. And learning from those mistakes is yeah. what makes you better than just, hey, I can go out and bounce a basketball and get better. Leadership is it's repetition, but it's also it's also learning from your mistakes and learning from principles that work. Yeah. Right. And obviously there's hundreds, if not thousands of books out there on leadership. Right. And so the list could be quite long of what makes a great leader. I've tried to narrow it down into <laughs> six or seven things if that's possible, which it's probably not. But I found These a few things. things. They're my things. Yeah. I, they're things that I think kind of work if I had to summarize a few. Yeah. You know, I, I, I recently had this conversation with someone uh, and uh, that was wanting to be a leader in in one of the new business ventures. And, and 
and I asked the question, I said, well, what are you not good at as a leader? And I ask this question all the time when I'm interviewing people and people hem and haw and they're almost afraid to say something that they're not good at. And I always just say, look, if you ask me that question, I can rattle off 10 things so quickly without even having to put any thought into it. And I think it's because I so badly want to be a great leader that I know where I fall short. It's sort of, I, I so badly want to be a great parent that I see all the little things that I do where I fail because I so passionately, you know, want to be good at it. And and also, I, I, I want to clarify this, too, the difference between a, a leader and an authority. Yeah. Some people say, well, this podcast isn't for me because I'm not. Look, authority is authority tells you what to do. Right. It's a title. A leader is someone who tells you why you do it. So really anybody can be a leader mm-hmm. and everybody should be a leader. Mm-hmm. So so hopefully as you're listening to this, you're thinking, okay, this really does apply to me because I'm a partner in this organization. That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When I think of our organization, there's not a person that works for us that's not a leader. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we think it's the administrator or the DON, right? Yeah. Or, someone or that has a title that is, yeah. That's right. Right. Or, or we say, hey, I'm a resource. And so therefore I'm not a leader. I can't make decisions. I can't influence. And I think everyone in our organization has the potential to be a leader. They can get things done through other people. They can bring people together, right? Yeah. They, they can, they can, have change happen through their influence if they'll allow it to. So then what I'll do is I'll interchange kind of leader and partner in this discussion. So yeah. so let's start with the first on your list. The first thing you say is that leaders or partners don't just see the vision, they live it and breathe it. They're, they're believers and that belief shines through. So, so start with that one. Yeah. And so when we look at these seven things, they're not in any particular order, I think with the exception of this one. Uh, to me, I think this is number one for okay. a reason is because I think any great leader has a vision. And when I say vision, it's it's that peer over the horizon, right? It's not who you are now, it's who you want to be. It's that ideal, yeah. right? It's something that you want to become. So when, when I think of a vision, it, it, it sometimes can be articulated in a sentence, right? But other times it's it's a set of ideals. It's a group of principles, right? It's something that, again, we want to become. And when, when I think of uh, the founding of our country, for example, right? And, yeah. and it was founded on democracy and freedom. That was a vision that thousands of people shared and they shared it and they were willing to die for it. Right. But our country was founded on that vision. And now here we are today with an amazing country that we're all a part of. I, I think of, I think of Ensign, right. And I, I can't necessarily articulate an Ensign vision per se, mm-hmm. but I can talk about our ideals. I can talk about the word Ensign, right. That it means flag. I can talk about Caplico. I can talk about partnerships. I can talk about clusters. I can you know, I can talk about so many things. And people that know what you're talking about because it's been lived and breathed. Lived and breathed over and over, right? Yeah. And I look at Christopher and Barry and others in our organization. They live and breathe yeah. those core principles and ideal. To me, that's a vision that comes alive. That it's something they live and breathe and that, frankly, I want to follow. I want to be a part of because it's it has come alive. And you can't fake that, right? I mean, that belief shines through. Belief shines through. And, and I've long. seen that with leaders where where... They're repeating things on a wall, but it's not in their core. And and I I I think that's a failure of leadership. If I if I go to you, anyone on your team, any housekeeper, any laundry worker, and I, you know, what is it that you're fighting for? What is it? Why do you come to work each day? And if they don't have that vision, that's the failure of the leader. That's right. That is not living and breathing it. That's right. Right. But that vision should get to everybody, down to the housekeeper, right? If yeah. we're looking at it in that in that regard, if you, if you go into a facility. You should be able to go up to any staff member and say, what is the vision of this facility? Where, where are we going? What makes this facility special? 
We're yeah. trying to bring dignity to this industry. We're trying to dignify this. That's yeah. right. Let me, let me give you an example yeah. if I can, and, and we'll, we'll be faster on the other ones, but I still remember as an AIT, I, I was uh, with Matt Rudder at Summerfield Healthcare. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still remember he had a vision statement up on the wall in his office and in, in, the, in the walls of the facility. And the vision was Summerfield Healthcare is a place where everyone wants to be. And when I asked Matt, I'm like, what does that mean? And he's like, listen, man, we, we want our employees to want to be here. We want our vendors to want to be here, mm -hmm. right? Our providers, our patients, even though they're in a tough circumstance, we want them to want to be at Summerfield as opposed to our competitor down the street. Yeah. And so as I got to, to learn more about Matt Rudder's leadership, like that vision came alive. He talked about it at every all staff meeting, at every standup. He was living and breathing it by the way he paid people, the way he talked to people, the way he disciplined people. And so the vision truly has to come alive if it is going to be effective, if it's going to be realized. Yeah, you know, it's good. The, the last podcast that we just released on the Moneyball questions, it, one of the Moneyball questions is, is my mission makes me feel that my job is important, mm. right? The, the mission of this organization makes me feel my job is important. That's what keeps people engaged. And so I, it, that fits right in. As a leader, you've got to ask yourself, am I living and breathing this vision? So that, that, I, that one, I'm glad we spent a little more time on that because I agree. All right. So number two, you say that, that uh, leaders or partners, they relentlessly upgrade their team, right? Using every encounter as an opportunity to evaluate, coach, build self-confidence. I mean, this is the whole idea that we're a leadership development organization, right? So, so talk to us about that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, it sounds a little mechanical, right? When you break it down but like that, right? Evaluate, coach, build self-confidence. Yeah. It sounds like you have a checklist in front of you, but uh -huh. I, I don't mean to make it sound like that. I think the point is that as a leader, you're very purposeful. When you look at those that you serve, right? Your employees, your partner, you say, how can I help them? Right? How can I help them set goals and have metrics and have scorecards? Right? And when they have those, then how can, how can I evaluate quietly or in front of them and with them how they're doing with those goals, how they're doing with those metrics? Yeah. And so I think we should use every encounter to evaluate how our partners are doing in a, in a positive way, not in a punitive way. Right? And then we're, we're evaluating, then we know how to coach. We know how to train. We know how to help that individual. Right? We're asking them and ourselves what barriers do you have? What barriers can I remove for you? What do you need to, to have in order to do your job successfully? See, I think the key, though, is that you're focusing on the people. See, I, I think sometimes as leaders, we're so focused on the results and we just hope the people will help get us there to those results, right? Yeah. But but your perspective right here is an intense, this is the customer second, right? Core it's value. Customer second. Your intense focus is on the people and making them better and by doing that, the results will take care of themselves. They always do, right? I th yeah. And that's why I love customer second so much and why over the years it's made more and more sense to me because as we focus on our employees and build them up purposefully, yeah. the results come. They always come. Winning teams produce great results, yeah. right? And so when I, when I think of this, this whole idea of evaluating coaching and building self-confidence, you know, I, I think of great teams. I think of football teams, right? You look at coaches, their whole intention and goal is every day, I'm going to go make my players better. Yeah. I'm going to figure out a way to bring that team together. And when we do, the end result should be winning, should be winning games. Well, and if you think about that same analogy, ultimately the coach doesn't get on the court, doesn't get on the field, no. right? And the players aren't constantly looking at the coach like, should I dribble to the right or to the left, right? They have to act mm -hmm. because you've done so much in developing them. And again, we, we love the phrase that we're a leadership development company that happens to be in, in healthcare. But when you ask the question, so what are you doing to develop your people? Sometimes that stumps 
people. So you're saying we've got to be relentlessly upgrading our people. That doesn't mean going and getting new ones. Sometimes it might, right? right? But but it means we're we're developing the ones that we have and doing all that we can to develop them. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So the next one, when I I first read, I thought, oh, I'm really good at this, but uh, I might have misunderstood it a little bit. You say a great partner gets into everyone's skin. I'm like, oh, that's me. I get under <laughs> everyone's skin. But then you say exuding positive energy, right? So it's not it's not getting under their skin. It's getting into their skin. And 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 so what do you mean here? What 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 is that? Yeah, I mean, and this can be taken in several ways, right? It could be taken as, hey, be the eternal optimist, and right, as long as you're optimistic, you're a great leader. Yeah. I, I don't think that's what this means. Well, we've learned that's not true from good to great <laughs> and multipliers, and <laughs> that's right. We're taught that constantly, yeah. and, and so that's not what I'm, I'm trying to say here, right? Okay. I, what I am saying is, and let me just read this quote because I think okay. it actually defines it really well. And uh, this does come from Jack Welsh. He said, "An upbeat leader who goes through the day with a positive outlook somehow ends up running a team or organization filled with well, upbeat people with positive outlooks." That's true. <laughs> a pessimistic sourpuss, on the other hand, somehow ends up with an unhappy tribe all his own. Unhappy tribes have a tough time winning. Of course, sometimes there are good reasons to be down, but your job as a leader is to fight the gravitational pull of negativism. That doesn't mean you sugarcoat the challenges your team faces. It does mean you display an energizing, can-do attitude about overcoming them. It means you get out of your office and into everyone's skin, really caring about what they're doing and how they're faring as you take this hill together. Yeah, I love that. I think he summarizes it so well, right? Yeah. A can-do I, attitude. I, and, and, and it is, I mean, he's, he's, he's employing the Stockdale, Stockdale paradox here too, because he's saying, look, you've got to confront these brutal facts. He's not just saying, Hey, with a better attitude, we're all going to get better, but you're out there. You're with them. You're, you're never losing that, that faith in a, in the end result, which Stockdale said, right. That's right. The, the, those that survived, they didn't, they had an unwavering faith in the end result, but they also had to confront those brutal facts. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what the push was. And I, uh, you know, it's it's a hard thing because we want to be optimistic, but we also don't want to be overly optimistic because multipliers and, and good to great kind of cautions mm-hmm. us on this. But I think ultimately, you know, what he says there, get out of your office yeah, and go get under their skin. The other thing that's really interesting to me is I, I used to think. I used to be surprised sometimes that I thought I was such a such an energetic leader. And why are some of my buildings struggling so much? I came to learn that the building really is a reflection of me. The operation really is a reflection of me. That the things that I thought I was doing that was so good, there was really some back channel negativity. There were some there were some reality checks that I had to go through. Does that make sense? That, makes that, sense. that yeah. sometimes as a leader, we think we're a victim of our cultures, mm-hmm. but really the culture is a reflection of us. And if the culture is wrong, there's something you've got to look in the mirror at and figure out what you need to change. That's right. Is that that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I think as a leader to this point, you you set the tone for your organization, right? For your facility, for your responsibility, for whatever it may be that you do. You set the tone for it, good or bad. And 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 when we look back at COVID the last two years, there was certainly a gravitational pull down. Yeah. Right. It, it could have been, it, it was a negative time. It was a hard time, yeah. right? Our leader, our leaders were discouraged. Our frontline workers were discouraged, but I, I am so grateful that we work for a company full of awesome leaders and resources who fight that, right. Yeah. Who said, you know what, this is a tough circumstance, but we're going to lead through that anyways. Right. And I, I saw hundreds of people doing that. And it was, 
it was inspiring. It still is to look back on that time and to see yeah. hundreds of our leaders fighting that gravitational pull and leading their teams upward anyways. That's what great leaders do. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, of, I, I would cling again. I think of all the flaws that I had and I, I would cling to my excuses or I would complain about things, even though I didn't do it outwardly. I think that would sometimes seep through into bad cultures and, and, uh, we all need to look inward on that and things that we need to change. Okay. So the next one I see is that the great leaders, you say here, establish trust with candor, transparency, and credit. I'm assuming each of those words mean something. They, they matter. Yeah, they, they do mean something. And I think they're in, in the right order, right? Because I think okay. I think trust happens. I think I think we misunderstand trust sometimes, right? We think that trust is built by loyalties, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's built by having a, a deep relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that's true in, in, in business, right? I think it's established by being candid and being transparent, but doing it with love, right? We're not saying just be a jerk. We're not saying, hey, just put it all out there. How you so feel about So by candid, someone. you're saying an example of, hey, I'm gonna, you've got spinach in your teeth. I'm going to tell you, you have spinach in your teeth. Right. I'm saying fight the impulse to pad or diminish a hard message. Fight the impulse to not be fully honest because you're worried about offending someone, right? The whole point of this message right here is let's be a little faster to be more direct and more honest because faster gets things done, right? It helps create a winning culture. It helps create um, yeah. better results. It helps actually create a team that people want to be a part of when they know where they stand, right? And they know that you want to help them improve. Because the opposite of that is if, if a leader is always sugarcoating things, when the leader says something and everybody else is listening, they're listening and smiling and they're going, what did he really mean by that? Right. Right. What he said that, but I wonder what the real message is. Whereas when you're, when you lead with candor and transparency, they're never left guessing. That's he right. told it to me when it was hard, when he's saying it's good, I can believe him. I can trust him. Yeah, that's right. And those that have worked around me for a while know that I like a particular saying is maybe a motto of mine, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it's it's this, say say what you see, say what you see, hmm. right? And when we can do that again in a tactful, loving way, right? We don't just want to go around. You're not around just saying, and, tell it like it is, no. right? Right, but if you, you see You care it, how they feel. You care how they feel, of course, mm -hmm. right? But you, you want them to be more productive. You want everyone that works with you, right, to, to be successful, and to have great performance. Yeah. And usually the key to doing that is evaluating them, building that self-confidence, but being very candid and indirect, yeah. right? And But letting them feel your support and your love as you do that, right? That speeds up the process of creating a winning team yeah. and having a real successful individual. So that leads me to my shameless plug of going back and listening to the podcast, The Speed of Trust, right? Mm. Uh, uh, from the book uh, uh, Stephen M. R. Covey wrote on The Speed of Trust. It, it It's one that had a lot of impact on me and just how you cut through a lot of the fat when you just are open, honest, and transparent with each other, right? I debate leaders all the time. Do you share your financials with your teams? Well, what if it's bad? What if it's what if it's too good? Does that and 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 usually if you just say, look, I'm just gonna be open and honest with them so they're not left guessing and we don't spend a lot of time in back channel communications, right? Um all right. So next you say, uh, I don't even know what number we're on, four or something like we're that? On five. Five. Okay. So next you say great leaders or great partners, they probe and push with curiosity. And and even I'll say that borders on skepticism. 
right? Mm-hmm. So so they push and they push and probe with curiosity that almost seems like somebody's being skeptical and then said making sure that their questions are answered with action. Like sometimes we yeah. ask questions, someone gives a fluffy answer and it satisfies us and you're saying no 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 no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep asking the question until I get an answer that satisfies me. Is that the right way of saying yeah, it? That's exactly right. And we got to we got to break this down, right? Okay. And, and when I think of when I think of doing this or applying this, I, I go back to the great cluster meetings that I've, I've been in, uh-huh. right? Where those questions are asked, but they're asked again and they're asked in a different way. And the person starts sweating a little bit because they think they give an answer and they're not satisfied with the answer. So yep. the, face, the face turns red and they okay. go, okay, here we So that's what good partners do. They probe and push. They ask those really, really hard questions. Um, and, and when we phrase it in questions as opposed to statements, it usually deflects, right? It usually brings walls down as opposed to saying you are X, Y, or Z, right? Uh-huh. Ask a good question and ask it over and over again, right? But I think the important thing here, and this is the step that I, I often see leaders miss, is the action, is the follow-up. We are really good as an organization about asking hard questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're not as good about organizing the action that we're going to take, Right. And, and if I if I read this quote here, you may get what I'm talking about. It says this. You want bigger and bigger solutions, questions, healthy debate, decisions and action will get everyone there. However, if you don't make sure your questions and concerns are acted upon, it doesn't count. Yeah. It's probably my weakness as a leader. I think I'm good at asking the questions and driving. But that follow up and what was the action there? Sometimes I just assume that's going to happen. And yep, I do too. <laughs> I lack the discipline to follow up on that action. I think you and I are a lot alike like that. We 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 like to have healthy debates. We like to engage in that, right? We yeah. like to ask those hard questions. But then I think of people like Spencer Burton. Uh-huh. Spencer's very methodical. He's very organized. He yeah. takes notes. He sends those notes out after he has a conversation with you, right? So the great debate isn't the end, it's the beginning for him, whereas sometimes it's the end for us. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So how do we complete that as a leader? How do we become great at the question, but great at the organization, and then great at the follow-up and action? That's that's where results happen is when there's action taken based on what we talk about and discuss. Making sure questions are answered with action. I I like that. Um, all right. So, so we're on this one here, Jim, Jim Collins, you know, author of good to great and, and a lot of the other books that we like, he says level five leaders do three things really well. Right. And it's, it's yeah. get the right people on the bus, ask the right questions and then create a culture of debate. So, so I'm just sort of pulling all these things in together to help you realize, look, the principles are the same. We're just sort of attacking them from, from different directions. And if we really focus on what matters, then then, uh, you know, we'll be a lot more successful. Okay. So the next thing uh, that you say is that great leaders have the courage to make unpopular decisions and gut calls. I actually brought this one up in a conversation recently, uh, and it feels like it's self-explanatory, but, but you know, talk about that. This idea that I think sometimes we think that we're great leaders because our people love us. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes having them love us isn't the, we have to make hard decisions. We have to do hard things just like we have to do with our kids, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids want candy for breakfast all the time. I might have to make the tough decision of saying, hey, eat an apple, like mm-hmm. <laughs> have some fruit, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a good example of a so great leader? That's a good example. Not letting kind of. my kids eat candy. Yeah, no, I just went through that with my daughter last night and getting an <laughs> iPhone, right? <laughs> she didn't quite get it. But we we see things sometimes as leaders that uh, may, maybe those that we serve don't, right? And we, we have to help make the right decisions. And that's not to say that we don't want to bring people in and debate it out. We do. We right. want to be collaborative, right. right? But sometimes as a leader, we have to be decisive, 
Okay, we have to make decisions. So it's not about the biggest, the, the largest number of people wins the debate. No, you get everybody's voice in there, and then you might have to make a decision that the majority are against. That's right. But you have to make sure that you can articulate the whys, yep. right? That you can't always win by majority. It's never going to happen, whether it's in a facility or out of facility, right? You you have to be a leader that brings people together, that collaborates, but then helps under, people understand the path that we're going to take and, and why. Yeah. But, but be decisive, right? And you don't want to be a leader that prides yourself on, hey, I just made a really hard decision, or I'm, I'm the guy yeah. that's going to have to make that hard decision. That That's not what it's about, right? It, it is about sometimes, though, we do have to make tough calls. That's a good point, because I think sometimes we do think... Well, see, that was a really hard call and I made it, so I'm a strong leader. Well, but if you take that principle alone, then you're probably going to be a pretty bad leader. That's right. Right? But if you take it in conjunction with all of these others, probing questions, follow up with action, all these different things, after all of that is said and done, then sometimes we have to make tough decisions uh, and, and you know, again, hopefully do a better job of helping them see the, the point in those decisions. Yeah. And, th and think to yourself, right, as a leader or as a resource, a partner, what tough decision are you facing? Yeah. Right. L look at the, the people that you work with. Right. Or the strategies that you're looking at. Right. Be forward looking and say, what is it? What is a tough call that I, I probably need to make? And discuss that with your partners. Right. Don't make decisions on an island. Yeah. That's what makes us unique and special is that we can do that with partners. But at the end of the day, have, have the courage to make tough calls and, and be decisive when decisiveness is needed. I was on a cluster call the other day and, and somebody was saying, well, why haven't you done this? And someone else chimed in and said, oh, the people aren't very accepting of that there. So I understand why you haven't done it. And that's where the conversation just ended. I said, wait, wait a second. What's the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. Well, it's this. Okay, then whether or not they accept it, like you sometimes have to make tough decisions. Are, are, did you watch The Office? Are you an office uh, person I am, or no? I am, yeah. I am an office fan, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's been some so years. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's one of the funniest things to me is this, this caricature of a boss who really it's not about performance for him. It's about making as many friends as he possibly can, <laughs> right? So tough decisions are almost impossible for him. One of the first episodes, he has to fire somebody and he just can't do it. Because mm -hmm. because when your goal is for everybody to be your friend, that's a, that's a really <laughs> difficult decision to make, and it's it's so funny to me because I there's a, there's there's a little of that in me. I've got a little Michael Scott in me. I care what people think about me, and I I want them to like me, and I you know I maybe not to the Michael Scott yeah. extent, but that's why it's funny is because there is a little bit of truth in that in us, and and you're saying hey we we've got to learn to you know. We've got to learn to make tough decisions. I'd, I'd say, especially as new leaders, right? I see a lot of uh, newer EDs and yeah. EONs. Like, that, what do that, I do? What do I do? Right? They freeze or. <laughs> but they don't want this. <laughs> I know I need to do it, but they don't want it. <laughs> but I, I just can't. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to offend. Don't, don't involve your partners when, when, if you need help doing that, but be decisive. And ultimately, if you think about it, it's not kind to make the bad decision. It's why I like the the uh, mission statement of Catholic Charities. Mm. No margin, no mission, yeah. right? If we don't make those tough decisions, we can have as much fun as we want and we can care as much as we want, but we won't be around tomorrow. So it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if we don't make those tough decisions. The kind thing to do is to make those tough decisions. All right, so I'm on the last one, right? The great leaders and great partners celebrate. So what? We like to party. 
Is that is that what you're saying? Great leaders <laughs> That's do. It. That's it. Party it okay. up. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming, Adam. No, <laughs> yeah, let's I'm go sure have some fun. More. <laughs> yeah, and there, you know, people that know me know that I like to have fun, right? And I, it's, it is an important part of life. It's an important part of work, and it it should be centered in 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 our achievements, right? We don't just have fun for the sake of having fun, but work is too much a part of life not to recognize moments of achievement, right? Grab as many as you can. Make make a big deal out of out of the things that we do, out of the out of the care that we provide, out of the results that we achieve, right? If if you don't celebrate those results and those achievements, nobody else will. You as a leader, whether you're an ED or a DON, people are looking to you to do that celebration, right? Either to spend that time or spend that money or to take time out of your day to recognize them. It's such an important part of what we do as a leader. And and listen, the busyness of the day often gets the best of us. It gets the best of me quite a bit, right? Yeah. You, you have time set aside to celebrate and recognize. So you're saying what stops us along. from that is that we, we're so busy. Like, cause you think yeah. celebration, God, that's gotta be an easy one, mm. right? Just let's, let's, that seems like a fun part of leadership. And you're saying, but sometimes we're so focused on the next step because we're not perfect that we forget to celebrate these little steps along the way. That's exactly right. That's the right, I think yeah. that's my diagnosis. Yeah, too. Th- things getting, I mean, hectic, this is a hectic industry, right? Uh-huh. Especially during COVID. And so it's, it's easy to plan and then for those plans to follow through. Yeah. And it's easy for the craziness of the day to get in, get in the way of the little small celebrations, right? But it's the little things and the little recognitions that mean the most to people. The birthdays, the anniversaries, the hey, great job last month on, on whatever it was, right? Yeah. It's it's those little things, not the big incentive checks. Yeah, sometimes that make the most difference. Sometimes it's just the card, just the card, the just shout the out on call. the wall, the phone call, the text. That's right. Uh, you know, I I think the other thing, and I, I'm I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want you to psychoanalyze me, but mm. I think sometimes I'm afraid to celebrate when I know there's other things that, that maybe somebody still needs to change or we need to get better at. And I think, okay, but if we celebrate here, they'll think we arrived and we haven't arrived. We have so much further to go. <laughs> and so I, and that, that almost sounds mean, right? It's almost like a carrot on a stick. And, and the core value of celebration says, no, if we've, if we've, we need to be just as passionate when things go right at asking the question, okay, who's accountable and how do I hold them accountable when things go right, not just when they go wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think celebration is, right? I totally agree. So yeah, Adam, those seven things, and you say those are the only seven things you need to be to be, no, no, you said those are just some <laughs> of the things that you need to be a great leader. Uh, any Anything you want to add before we before we wrap up? Yeah, listen, I, I wish it was as easy as just following these seven things. Yeah. It's, it's not <laughs> Seven le- steps to <laughs> becoming a billionaire. Right. Uh, if only. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's not that easy, but it, it is it is something we we can improve and be better at, right? Yeah. And that's why I love this organization because we are a leadership development company. We, uh, we strive to become better and better each day. And I think if we implement some of these things, we'll do just that. We'll, yeah. we'll chip away at our building of, of becoming not good leaders, but great leaders. Well, I appreciate it. And I, I hope everybody listening had a chance. I mean, maybe there's two or three of these that you can latch onto and say, okay, I really need to focus on these and become better at these because I, I, I really think the principles are true and uh, that, that you can uh, you know find yourself on the path to becoming the leader that you know you should be. So thanks for your time, Adam. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Thanks.